2: a goon, some we've always got room for a
0: goon. There were Swedes to the left of them, Russians to the right, a check at the blue line looking for a fight.
3: Brains over brown, that might work for you. What's a Canadian farm boy to do? What else can a farm boy from Canada do? It's somebody. What's a Canadian farm somebody what else can a farm boyfriend What is happening, everyone? Welcome to the Action Network podcast, Stanley Cup Playoffs Betting Preview. My name is Matt Russell. You might know me from the Windows Sports Betting Podcast. I'm joined by the effervescent Michael Lieboff, NHL content czar of the Action Network, and the damn fool who let me share my muse in the form of game previews this season as an NHL contributor for the Action Network, Michael, congratulations, man! We made it. The playoffs are finally here. How fired up are you? I'm so excited. Tonight. They're
4: releasing a schedule. So, like the NHL was, was sitting on the schedule, and it's starting to trickle out for for a little while. It looked like they were just gonna be like, yeah, the two teams can kind of play each other as as they as they see fit. Uh, but yeah, we have a schedule. We have we're starting to see odds pop. This is uh, this is the best time of year for for me as a, as a sports fan as as a hockey fan. It's also the most a horrifying time of the year as an Islander fan, because, you know, as we know with playoff hockey, it's, it's white knuckle time and very scary. Um, so we can't guarantee winners, but we can definitely guarantee pain. That's, that's how I, that's how
3: I think about it. Your, your favorite four-letter word when it comes to hockey. Yeah, I thought we might be headed for like an English Premier League type situation where they just crowned the regular season champion, which would have made me irate because I am, you know, team of my youth, a Vancouver Canucks fan. And we've got a ton of President's Trophies over the years, which mean, as you know, a hill of beans at this point uh, in the year. And so we should get this out of the way. A couple of things. One, the Senators and the Red Wings are gone and they're not coming back. So we're going to pour one out for those guys. Two of our favorite teams this regular season as we like to bet underdogs. So that brings us to... Um, you know, our biases, how we do things, right? So you mentioned you're an Islanders fan. You're going to be stressed out. I'm going to have my feet kicked up here with the Vancouver Canucks out of the playoffs this year, unlike last year where things got relatively intense. So tell me, you know, beyond just cheering for the Islanders, how do you handicap hockey games and what's your process and what do you value here as we go into the playoffs?
4: Yeah. I mean, the first thing is, yes, I'm an Islanders fan and actually do think that they're pretty good value at the moment, but I, I do bet against this team all the time. I, I've come to uh, the point in betting enlightenment where I'm able to separate my fandom from betting and, and I can sit back and watch an Islander game and root for them, even though I know that if they win, I'm going to lose money. Uh, as sick and twisted as that is, that's just where I'm at in life. Uh, but I think the way I always I always start my handicapping process, and, and I've been betting on hockey now for over a decade, is I always pitch backwards from the underdog. Uh, hockey is such a game. Uh, such a random game. There's so much variance. It's played on ice with a piece of vulcanized rubber uh, and five guys chasing it around with sticks. And then another guy wearing a mask and a lot of equipment trying to defend that puck from going in a net. And sometimes it's traveling 100 miles per hour. That means that weird stuff is going to happen. And that means that you should always. You shouldn't just expect the favorite to roll. Like this is not. This is not a game where you know scoring events really matter. So like a, a shot off someone's leg that pops in and puts an, a plus two hundred underdog up one nothing is not that rare of an occurrence in the NHL. So that's why I always start with the underdog and I try to say. What is their path to success? How likely is that path to success? And as as I start to kind of like cross those paths off, I'll start realizing, okay, maybe this is a game to look at the favorite. Maybe there is a reason why this team is minus one fifty. Is that price worth it? And I'll very very rarely go above minus one forty in the NHL. That's probably honestly it's, it might be a flaw of mine, but it's just how it's been working for me. Is that I'm, I'm much more underdog heavy, and that's the same case in the playoffs. And and I I stick to much more predictive metrics. I don't really care for teams like, you know, oh, this team seven, and, seven and three on Tuesdays, that stuff don't really care about. But the stuff that does matter to me, I like looking at expected goals. I like looking at how a team is, is generating and defending um, high danger scoring chances. And I know the two of us kind of overlap in that way. Uh, so, you know, I'll let you dig into like the stats that matter, that matter the most to you, too.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'm very, you know, listen, you, 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 called it enlightenment. I call it dead inside. Uh, I, I, uh, as an adult have lost my childhood, uh, let's use a word we used to describe you earlier effervescence, uh, about, you know, just cheering for my team. And so now when it comes to hockey, you mentioned all the randomness. I like to base it on a concept of, okay, we're going to start from a mathematical concept and we're just going to kind of hope for the best From there, So anybody who's listened to my show, The Daily Podcast, uh, The Window, you know that I have a model. We sort of joke around. We call it the let's do that hockey model from Saturday Night Live. Hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Part of that is that's a skit that has Chance the Rapper in it. Sort of a perfect segue here as you're talking about high danger chances, right? I want to try to predict who's going to have more high danger chances. And what I want is five on five play. Uh, I don't really care all that much about your power play percentage because every team, when it's all boiled down to it, kind of scores the same amount, right? The best teams in the league, 25%, right? The sort of mediocre teams, 18%. Well, all it takes is the 18%. Team to have five power plays in a game, and the 25% to have four power plays in a game, which obviously isn't that much of a discrepancy. And all of a sudden, you're sort of at even par there for both teams. Now, how do you create power plays to maybe get six? power plays in a game to another team's four or another team's three will you do it via five on five play right playing really well in five on five is going to draw more penalties again in theory so i'm big on five on five hockey so all of my metrics in my let's do that hockey model are sort of centered around the idea of who's the better team five on five and by the way we'll get to it later but your islanders my friend your islanders are barking this uh this coming week and a half or so um this season i decide to treat the North and the Central as their own leagues. All of these, and for those who don't know, right, we had division only play in the NHL this season. And so I took this opportunity to kind of use it as a experiment where I'm going to follow the North. I'm going to follow the central, kind of like just following the big 10 in college basketball or college football or small schools in college basketball betting, right? It's a different animal. I didn't care what the San Jose Sharks were up to because I didn't have to care this season because there wasn't that overlap. And so on those other two divisions, the West and the East, I just let the numbers pile up right? I didn't get invested in it this season. So I come at it from a almost strictly mathematical standpoint. And in this case, this season, I can tell you everything you want to know about the North and the Central, but I can tell you almost nothing about the East and the West other than the metrics, right? They are literally just numbers to me in those divisions. And so, you know, I think that's worth sort of talking about here as we sort of set up what we're going to do the rest of the day here. And boy, do we have some good audio programming for you today. We're going big early on here, Michael and I. Stanley Cup futures right off the bat, not waiting around who we'd bet, who we would absolutely not bet, and why. Then, if you're pretty new to betting on hockey, we're going to be joined by an absolute delight, TV personality and host of the Oral Sessions podcast, Renee Paquette of WWE fame. Renee's a fellow Canadian, like myself, who now lives in Vegas, wants to get into hockey betting, what a horrible decision that is, and has a ton of questions for us. And she's like eight months pregnant, so we're going to figure out whether her doctor will even allow her to bet on this mega sweat that is the stanley cup playoffs so then michael and i are going to get way deep right we're going to get serious for those of you again who have followed along with me this season you know i'm busting out the model but let's do that hockey model let's do that hockey and michael's got his usual brand of takes on series prices game totals game one prices and wait for it the con Smythe market yeah i could go an hour on that one alone so michael you're the boss here, and let's come out hot. Stanley Cup futures, let's take it from the top. Screw them. This is your time. Who are you looking to back to lift the cup this season? Right before I get into that, I, I can't imagine the
4: horror that our boss, Chad Millman, would, would, would feel the dread if we did an hour-long con Smythe Podcast. I mean, talk about a ratings bonanza. Uh, But uh, yeah, I I mean, right away, two teams, I think, are are value. Uh, I'm going to start with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, because I think you're buying the Jets at a very, very good time, right? They've been bad for about a month and a half now, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that they've been missing probably their most dynamic player, Nikolai Ehlers one thing about the NHL playoffs is teams talk in very cryptic language because they don't want to give anything away to uh, the other team about injuries, whatever. And of course, betters, which makes our life a little difficult, but Nikolai Ehlers, they're saying quote unquote, they're hopeful. He's going to be ready for game one. If he is, that he turns the jets into a completely different team. He's a great puck transporter. He's a scorer. He's a setup man. He's, he's really a, uh, like a do it all kind of guy. He's their best five on five player. And the jets also have the, luxury of having one of the best goaltenders in the league backing them up so while their five on five numbers aren't great they have a great goaltender and, a, and an offense that can can pile, pile it up so if you put those two things together you don't have to worry about dominating the possession of the puck because you're in theory getting the saves you need and you're scoring enough for those saves to count so i like the jets they're hanging around 35 to 1 that number might go, go a little bit higher they're playing the the edmonton oilers in round one who if you watch if any sports, you probably know who Connor McDavid is. I really hope you do know who Connor McDavid is at this point. He just had a season for the ages, 100 points, over 100 points in 56 games. And there's a McDavid mania sweeping the NHL. So a lot of people, I think, are just going to want to be a part of that ride and bet on McDavid in that first round series. But outside of the top of that roster, the McDavid, Leon and uh, Tyson Berry, and Darnell Nurses of the World, the Oilers are not that deep. They are very much their they're beatable team they, uh, they they're goaltending. Mike Smith had a good season, but I don't trust Mike Smith as, as far as I can throw him as a goaltender. He's 37, 38. He's an older guy. Um, he is much he's very mercurial, likes to skate around with the puck. He's he's a nut. He's an absolute nut. Uh, so I just I think that this is there is a path to success for the Jets. That And I don't think anybody is going to be betting on them. So I think that they're going to be a team that has a lot of value in, in multiple markets. I think that the the series price is good. I think the price on them to win the North Division, like mini playoff thing is probably going to be good. And I like, I just think that they're they're capable. They they have enough talent to pull the upset. Whether or not they're, they're it's going to come down to with their goaltender can maybe steal a game or two. I believe in Connor Hellebuck. I like them at uh, 35, 40 to one, whatever you can get them. And then the other team, you know, it's common. The New York Islanders Uh-oh. 20 to one. Like I, I, as I said, I'm, if the Islanders weren't a good price, I wouldn't be suggesting them. I wouldn't want to expose you to this franchise that will make up ways, literally make up ways to ruin your life. Like we had an owner who bought the team. He didn't have any money. They made a 30 for 30 about it because it was so crazy. Uh, this is, this is a team that literally events ways, not just to lose games, but to almost lose themselves as a franchise. Uh, but they were one of the best teams in the league for a long time in the season for the first 38 games, the Islanders were up there with the avalanche, the lightning in terms of five on five play their, their form dipped a little bit after they lost their first line, left winger and captain Anders Lee for the season, but they brought in Kyle Palmieri, who's getting his feet under him in Barry Trotz's system. They, they have a deep enough forward core. Their defense is fantastic. One of the best defenses in the league in terms of preventing high danger, scoring chances in terms of preventing, preventing teams from getting in the house in front of the net, you know, the slot, etc. And their goaltending is superb. So that's basically all you're looking for in a contender is a team that can can shut shut down the other the opponent's best players, which they can, and their goaltending. And I think the Islanders really they they tick basically every box except for one, which is that they they close the season out in a uh you know, kind of on a down slope. But that also means you're getting a good price on them. So I think it's worth the risk. 20 to one, I think, is a pretty good bet.
3: Well, it took us all of, what, seven, eight minutes maybe in this podcast for uh, you to set me up to try to offend you at this point in time. Uh, I agree with one of those wholeheartedly. And hopefully this makes you feel a little bit better. I really like the Islanders, too. And again, I have no emotional connection to it. So I can vie for everything that you said with regards to the Islanders. As for the Jets, you had one sentence in there that I think, you know, triggers me, right? The five on five metrics haven't been that good. And they haven't been that good for like two and a half years now, right? The Jets have this way about them where it's almost kind of smoke and mirrorsy, right? Like they get Few high danger chances. They give up a ton of high danger chances relative to what they get. And you said it right, right? hellebuck makes the saves, right? But how long can that last? And the truth is, it has lasted like two years. The guy's incredible. But there has been some issues for him in the last month or so. So I'm steering clear from the Jets' Uh, in, you know, because of that, you were right about Ehlers, right? The key to the jets is they're going to have three, four, five guys who can put away that one chance, right? They don't need the volume of chances. So I understand where you're coming from, from that standpoint, but if I'm going to base kind of everything that I do around five on five play. I got to sort of just be, you know, appalled by that, if you will, right? That I'm, I'm appalled concept. by it too. Like, I, I, <laughs> they, 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 I'm not happy about betting the Jets. I don't I don't want to do it, but the number, I think the numbers just do good. You know, fundamentally, that's what it comes down to. So uh, for me, I have a couple of buys here. Now we should sort of mention that, you know, these markets are tricky when it comes to value in that they're kind of really isn't all that much but I think this season it's sort of the strange season and you know people will tell you you know underdog betting underdog betting and I think that's fair from a game-to-game standpoint and I have this general strategy of dogs early favorites late when it comes to series prices right you want to jump on some of these teams early as possible and so the thing is, though, because we all believe that anybody can win the Stanley Cup playoff, sometimes that actually provides value to the favorite. And I actually really like the Colorado Avalanche from a financial standpoint, from a win probability standpoint. My numbers make them massive favorites against the St. Louis Blues. So right there, I'm different uh, from a market standpoint. I also think that they're going to be or I, that they should be relatively decent favorites against the Vegas Golden Knights, who are a team that is right up. There with them in this market, right? Almost co favorites, depending on what sports book you're looking at. And so, if I think that they're better than the market thinks in those first two games, add on the fact that they're probably, once we get to the semifinal, there's probably going to be some Cinderella story. And that's who Colorado is going to get to play in the semifinals. So, we could be looking at a Colorado team that might actually have, you know, the best odds in that semifinal if they play some team that's a four seed, you know, again. maybe it's the the Winnipeg Jets for all all we know, right? Where they're going to end up as heavy favorites in this situation. And now you've got a plus 500 into the finals or again, a heavy favorite in the semifinals. So I actually really like the avalanche here. I think some of these other teams kind of just exist so that we're not looking at a three to one favorite at a plus two fifty type favorite, which of course you see in all other sports. So, you know, part of the reason that we like hockey is because the unpredictability here, but it doesn't mean that the underdog wins all of the time. And so I think when we're talking about roots to the Stanley cup finals, I think the, Avalanche have kind of this sneaky, easy, or at least relative to the market, this sneaky, easy route, uh, again, based on the five-on-five five numbers, which, again, are just absolutely off the charts when it comes to the Colorado Avalanche. If we had to look a little bit deeper, everybody's lining up right now on the Boston Bruins. I can't hate that. We'll talk about them a little bit more later on. Um, that seems totally reasonable at this point. The Bruins are going to give everybody a headache. That's just what they do. Um, and then as far as teams that you don't want to touch with a ten 10-foot pole. Um, I'll start here because I've got a handful of them, and there's a couple of them you know, for one reason and a couple for the other. But you mentioned, of course, the Oilers. I wouldn't touch the Oilers with a 10-foot pole here from a Uh, Future standpoint, because I have a different way to play the Oilers here that we're going to talk about at the end of the show. So hang on for that. Same thing with the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm going to pass on them from a future standpoint. But as I mentioned, the Jets are a 10 foot pole team for me, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are a 10 foot pole team for me as well. The metrics there don't add up. As I said, I like the Islanders. So, guess who their first round opponent is? You know it. It's the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, Michael, who are the teams that you absolutely want nothing to do with when it comes to the futures market? So, you
4: you mentioned that the Boston Bruins, like everyone, is kind of piling onto them, and, and they're good. They're very good. They're they're they've found their form with Taylor Hall uh, in in the fold. But I do wonder if we're starting to get swept up in in this kind of uh, down the stretch play from them because. They played 16 games with Taylor. They played 17 games total since the trade deadline. I think Taylor Hall played 16 of them because they rested everybody in a, in a meaningless last game against the Capitals. Um, and eight of those 16 games came against the Buffalo Sabres and the New Jersey Devils. So that, that's going to skew things a little bit. So the way I'm approaching the Bruins is a little different. I don't think that the value right now is, is worth it, but I do think that they're a team that, like they, they turn games into coin flips and they put themselves in positions to win games. So if they do lose game one against the Capitals, then maybe the opportunity comes to buy in on the bruins. so that that's the way i'm approaching them. the other team like i'm i've no i've no time for the toronto maple leafs right now. they the numbers just too short and i know like the path to success is there for them because of the north division. well, the other divisions all kind of play a similar style of hockey to one degree or another. the north division was a little different. so i just don't know how that is going to add up when the when the leafs if they do get through how they're going to be able to play teams like colorado, vegas, whoever they end up playing plus that goaltending situation. i mean, Woof. Like I get that Jack Campbell had a had a very nice little story going, and Toronto. If 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 you're new to hockey, you, you might not know this, but like the Toronto media is very similar to maybe the New York media in in baseball or the the way the Dallas Cowboys are covered in football, where every little thing that any one of these players does, whether it's on the ice or off the ice, becomes a huge story, and uh, all their newspapers and media coverage, all of a sudden, the country of Canada s- shuts down if you know Austin Matthews signs a uh, a sponsorship deal with coca-cola or something so i think that right away that means that they're always going to be a little overvalued and their goaltending situation like i said they made such a big deal about jack campbell but him and freddie anderson like you can't if you're a maple Leafs fan and you're being honest with yourself i don't know how you can go to bed at night thinking that those two guys can last can carry a team throughout the entire playoffs and i get that they score enough goals that hopefully that doesn't matter if you're a maple Leafs fan or backer but i just i just can't get involved at this number another team though that like Sure. Like, let's say they do go down one nothing to the Canadians or two nothing to the Canadians, then they become live because they can score their way out of problems like that. And then the only other team that, like, I, like you said, like the Carolina Hurricanes are just too short. Uh, I, I have, I've, I've been a believer in the Hurricanes. I bet them before the season, but right now it's, you're just getting a, a tough number in a very, very good division you're talking about three Stanley cup contenders in one division with them, the lightning and the Panthers who all, all three of whom can, can beat anybody in this league in a best of seven. So I just like, can the Hurricanes win the Stanley cup? Absolutely. They can't. They're very good, but I just don't think that they're worth the price that they're at right now.
3: Yeah, and a potentially sneaky uh, sneaky path for them as well. Uh, I live here in Toronto, and I can assure you nobody's getting any sleep. Uh, even though, like I said, my feet are up, I'm sleeping just fine. That is uh, that's the benefit to having your team knocked out here uh, before we even get started. Uh, even though they're actually still playing hockey games, uh, so that should give you an idea of where we're coming from from a big picture level. We'll get microscopic with series bets and a little bit deeper into these teams a little bit later on. But right now we got to strip things down to the base, it's time to get all kinds of Canadian up in here. All right. We here understand you out there listening may not bet on hockey on a regular basis. It can be a long season, but you're a fan of hockey. You love it. That's why you're listening here because so many people start betting hockey during the Stanley Cup playoffs. We've asked our very special guest, Renee Paquette, to join us. Renee is a TV personality. She worked for WWE for a long time, entertaining the masses, and she's the host of the Oral Sessions podcast with our Friends at the Volume Podcast Network. But Renee, and let's be honest here, this might be the most important part, is also a native Canadian like me, a huge hockey fan, and a longtime Las Vegas resident who roots for the hometown Golden Knights. So before we move on to the rest of our show, we're going to let Renee take the wheel here. And Mike and I will help answer some questions about how to approach betting on the NHL, little NHL betting. 101 if you will welcome renee thanks for joining us
2: yeah thanks for having me on i didn't know you're canadian where are you from
3: uh well i'm currently living in toronto which i have for about 15 years now but i'm originally a british Columbian.
2: oh all right well welcome to uh to my province of ontario my people
3: (laughs) 15 years late but yeah i appreciate the (laughs) welcome that's 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 quite nice of you you've been there Uh, for a while
2: So, okay, guys, I need a lot of help here because betting is new to me. As if you could tell when I'm posting um, some tweets, trying to get some, you know, trying to get a little buzz, trying to make a little money in the the betting world. I never really know what I'm doing. It's all very confusing to me. I feel like do you guys have a lot of people picking your brains about how to bet, or do you just not hang with those people anymore?
3: Uh, For me, not nearly enough. Everybody thinks they've got the answers here, Renee. So this is the first step a long road for you I'm understanding (laughs) that you don't have the answers (laughs) and that you're looking for answers
2: okay so we're looking at a condensed nhl season here and like you said not a lot of people want to be betting on hockey it's a long season tra la la but the past two years having these condensed seasons maybe makes that a little bit more exciting we've got the playoffs just literally around the corner um i love to go for the underdog is that always a smart move when we're in the betting world
4: that's music to my ears. I, uh, I live, I live for uh, the pain and suffering that comes with betting on bad hockey teams. And uh, that's basically, you know, how I spend my winters is just on my couch betting on teams like the Ottawa Senators or Detroit Red Wings and watching them lose in horrific fashion. Um, bunch of losers. bunch of losers, just like me. Uh, and, <laughs> me too. Just, and uh, but in the playoffs, it becomes a little different. We, you, you start dealing with, with good teams that are underdogs and it's uh, it's going to come down to your numbers, right? Like it's if, if there's not, it's not a wise decision to just blindly bet on every underdog. But the truth is that uh, most people are just gravitate towards favorites because they look at the line. They say, oh, the the Toronto Maple Leafs are minus two ten against the Ottawa Senators or uh, the Montreal Canadiens. They're definitely going to win. So whether they just toss them in a parlay or bet the puck line, which is uh, b- backing them to win by at least two goals, uh, that's where most of the money is going to, or at least most of the public is going to go. So you, you automatically are kind of on the quote unquote right side. If you, if you're looking for, uh, at a matchup from the underdog and working and pitching backwards from that way. So the, the cold truth, cold, hard truth of betting on hockey is that yes, you're going to be betting on underdogs more often than not. And the other cold, hard truth is it's it's not terribly fun. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, yeah, I'd sad. agree with Michael. Yeah, we <laughs> we definitely share a, a affinity for betting on the underdog, but part of it it's a psychology too, right? Because from a value standpoint, most people want to bet the favorite, and so obviously that means. Money comes in on the favorite, which means you're going to get value on the underdog. So over the course of a long period of time, you're probably going to end up on the winning side. It's just going to take a little heart along the way because you're going to end up losing more than you win. That's just how it works. Okay, but so fortunately, the so price. No. Yeah. I mean, the price is going to end up being on the positive side for you over the, a long period of time, as long as you're somewhat discerning with who, who you're backing as an underdog.
2: Okay, and then you mentioned, you know, betting on the puck line. Is that something that I should be doing more often?
3: Uh, I'll take this one, Michael, because uh, you are ahead of the game here when it comes to what I was going to recommend to you as sort of a first timer. If you're looking for a system, anybody who's like, you know what? I don't really know these teams all that well. The money line and the math around it and win probabilities. I don't really get all of that. I just kind of want to watch hockey. I want to cheer for close games, maybe get some overtimes, maybe something that if it goes to overtime, I've already won and I can either go to bed when it hits the third overtime, or I can just sit there and enjoy it like a hockey fan would. The puck line is perfect for that at plus one and a half on the underdog right last season. So here's why it's really fun. One, it wins a lot. Right, just because of the nature of the bet. Now, over a long period of time, you know, like anything else, it's priced correctly, and you know, you might not win, you might win a little bit, you know, you might win a lot. Just kind of depends on the season. Last season, if you literally just blindly bet plus one and a half on the puck line, you would have finished the playoffs. It was a longer playoffs, admittedly, Uh, but you would have finished that playoffs up twelve units, and that's not nothing. It's certainly better than being down twelve units, and you would have won a lot of the time, almost seventy-five percent of the time. Time. Which you know, if you're going bed, going to bed happy you know, what's wrong with that, right? Like that's a fun way to go about doing it. You rather bet on something that's going to win a lot of the times, as long as it's even somewhat profitable along the way. And it's the same thing, like we talked about with just betting the money line favorites. People like the juice of a team winning by two. Oh, they could get an empty net goal later. Oh, like this team's much better. They like that, right? Plus 120, plus 150, plus 200. They love that. And it adds for a little bit of value again on the underdog. And people don't love laying minus 200 hundred, right? They don't like laying 20 bucks just to win 10, but over a long period of time, it's going to add up. And that's, I think the best way to do it. If you're just landing on hockey going, you know what? I'm just here for the fun of it. Maybe I win a little, maybe I lose a little because these things are decently priced, but it's a thing that not a lot of people kind of gravitate to, which as you know, in the playoffs, right? The game itself, you know, kind of gravitates to overtime right? Like the team who's behind is giving it a hundred and million percent to try to come back in a game. Whereas in the regular season, it's not necessarily that case, right? They'll let that game go if they're down two goals at the start of the third period. So it's hard for the sports books to kind of make that, you know, appropriately priced given what, you know, a people want to bet the favorite to win by more than one goal. And they also don't really want to lay that big price. But I think from a profitability standpoint and an entertainment standpoint, that's a really, really good bet. If you just, you know, parachuting in here for a couple of months. Uh,
2: And looking at like the nitty gritty of the numbers and the math that comes into it. uh, That's where I get very overwhelmed. I mean, I just open the app and I'm like, Oh, this all seems a little above my pay grade. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What? What are you kind of looking at for like, you know, what what would look like a good bet to put your money on? Because, it, you know, for me, when I look at bets, I'm, I'm, I can be a bit of a homer. I'm like, I'll see what the Knights are doing. If the Knights aren't doing anything, I'll see what the Toronto Maple Leafs are doing. And maybe I'll check in on the Hawks. Sure. I'll kind of move around a little bit. But when we're actually just looking at, you know, taking your like heart out of it, just working with our brains here. What are we looking right. at math wise?
3: That can be a little bit dangerous. And I, I rely almost entirely, I shouldn't say almost entirely, but very much on the math, right? Because hockey is that game where pucks are going off of people left, right, and center. And there's so much randomness. You need sort of a core belief system in a lot of ways. And that kind of comes down to the math. Now, the bad news for you, Renee, is that you live in a place and used to live in a place that has two of the most, and I don't want this to sound mean, but overrated teams. And <laughs> wow. what I mean, but, but it isn't necessarily because they're overrated because they're not good. They're both really good hockey teams. But in Toronto, right, everybody bets on the Leafs and the prices get out of control when it comes to betting on the Leafs. I don't think they were an underdog once all season long to or even fair, really. They've,
2: they've been the shits for like. Thirty years, so it's but people nice.
3: still exactly, yeah exactly they still <laughs> bet them right like they yeah. don't care they're gonna bet bet away right. You yeah. also live in Las Vegas, so of course you know the sports books that you use are going to be tilted towards the Vegas Golden Knights because people are just like you. They wanna bet the Golden Knights as well. And so those prices go up, which means there's value on the underdog in both cases, more often, way more often than not. So it can be tricky when you're just looking to bet your team if it just so happens that your team is you know, really uh, you know, favored, like literally in the marketplace. We're all, yeah. uh, you know, Michael over here, he's an Islanders fan. That guy's getting good prices on everything. Right, Michael? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you look at like, it, it's something
4: that that takes a little time to, to realize, but it's like in the NFL, you think about like the Dallas Cowboys, the reason the Dallas Cowboys are always, you know, bet up to uh, prices that they shouldn't be is because they're America's team. Uh, the New York Islanders are certainly not America's team. So like you'll, you, a lot of people still don't know they exist, despite them being pretty good. Um, so the like, teams like small market teams, I think we'll see it a good example for this will be the upcoming Florida Panthers uh, Tampa Bay lightning series. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows the Tampa Bay lightning. They know how good they are. Um, they are, even though they're playing ho- hockey in Florida, they're quote unquote a pretty big market team at this point. Uh, the Florida Panthers are the exact opposite that you will see more Toronto Maple Leafs fans at Florida Panthers games than you will see Florida Panthers fans. Uh, yeah. So those things, when you look for those things and realize I'm like, okay, like there's probably going to be a little bit of value here on the Panthers because People just don't recognize them as a team that is good, and they've been very good all season. They've been very consistent all season. They're not some plucky little underdog against the defending Stanley Cup champions. This is a good team that won't be viewed by the betting public as a very solid team. So that's that's like another thing that you just you know want to keep in your mind as as you're looking and looking at a matchup. You're looking at the numbers. You're also saying like, wow, if the Panthers stack up pretty well against the Lightning, why is this line this way? And a lot of it just has to do with the like psychology of the casual better uh, and those people who are just coming to, to the party for the playoffs uh, just not really recognizing that this, how good a team is just because of the market they play in the media coverage they get. Like, let's be honest, the Toronto Maple Leafs are, uh, the most over like saturated media covered team in the world. And that's why they're, they're treated the way they are by betters and fans. And that's why people like me, that's part of the reason people like me, a big part of the reason people like me despise the Toronto Maple Leafs is the way that they are covered. (laughs) They, uh, I I was shocked that, you know, Austin Matthews can go to the grocery store and it's front page on the Toronto star or whatever Toronto sun. So uh, it's, it's, that stuff does matter. Like you might not think it matters, but that noise does matter. And being able to, kind of drown it out and just stick to your numbers or stick to the prices is uh is you're already ahead of the game that's (laughs) really funny because
2: yeah you talk to nhl players and they're always kind of not that i mean obviously they want to play in the canadian market because they want a little bit of that rub from uh you know getting all the publicity and people care about them but once they get to go down and yeah play for florida play play for the panthers or the lightning or something no one's bothering them in the u.s so it's a completely different ball game
3: Just the fact that Michael knows the newspapers here in Toronto Ah, should tell you all you need to know. Right. Like that's something right there. But I think he's right. Right. It's branding. And, you know, we buy stuff right all the time. And, you know, we pay for the branding. And in some cases we overpay for the branding in the shoes that we buy in the cars that we drive. Right. You know, right off the lot that you just pissed away a bunch of money on a car that you really wanted, right? New car, boom, all of a sudden, $10,000. You're never going to get that back. Kind of the same thing when it comes to shopping for prices with these teams and these brands, right? You know, when you bet on the least, you might win, right? You might win. You might win with the defending Stanley Cup champion. I'd throw the Pittsburgh Penguins in there because of the branding of Sidney Crosby, right? You know that you might win, but you've also given away value in order to do so. So it's up to you to sort of decide whether, you know, you can sort of make a case that beyond the, you know, the lack of value in betting that team, that's how convinced you are of that team winning. And and there's
4: nothing wrong with, with just approaching it that way. Like we're not here to pass a judgment on someone who just wants to sit back, watch a game of hockey and you know bet on a good team. Like it takes, I'll, I'll plug a, you know, bet on the action app. Like tonight, for example, like I'm betting the Ottawa senators as a big underdog and people will reach out to me and just, they'll call me crazy or whatever I want, like whatever they want to say. And yes, they're right. But also like just some people aren't conditioned to, to, uh, appreciate betting that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's nothing wrong with just sitting back and being like, Hey, I'm a Vegas golden Knights fan. They might be minus two fifty tonight against the San Jose sharks, but I want to root for my team. And I want to have even more of like an emotional investment in that Mm -hmm. game. So go right ahead. You know, we're, we're just here kind of to, to kind of guide people along on the ride and maybe, uh, Open open eyes to different ways of approaching betting because like like it's like uh, working like yoga or something like it. The more the more you do it, the more layers you start to realize, and the more you start to appreciate those layers and and what what it kind of brings to the whole experience. And and if if it is a new sport to you, like there's no better way to getting into a new sport than actually betting on it. Like I started watching Australian rules football by betting on it, and I love it now. I'm watching. I pay pay to watch it because I'm out of my mind. But it's some real
2: degenerate uh, shit, my friend.
4: Yeah, it is. But I'm in it for the culture. I'm in it for the culture, not for the rush. I promise. I'm just learning about all these great cultures. It's nothing to do with, with my, with me at my degeneracy. I promise. Uh, um, Okay.
2: So the tipping point then. So like, you know, someone like myself, prime example, uh, for me to get invested, I will vote or a vote. I will bet for either the Golden Knights, Toronto, Blackhawks, what have you, a team that I'm already kind of invested in, embedding the puck line is probably the best way for me to dip my toe into the water to feel like I'm kind of getting somewhere and not just get completely discouraged right off the bat.
3: I'd say, I mean, yeah, from a, if you're combining sort of value with how you're going to watch the game, like. but again, the problem is right with your two teams there in Toronto and Vancouver, and of course, Chicago um, as a, uh, you know, Died in the world Canucks fan. Um, sorry to see them not make the playoffs. Um, but uh, you know you you're backing the favorite in that in that instance, right? right? You do have if you go with the underdog, right? So Toronto's going to play Montreal. If you bet Montreal plus one and a half on the puck line, you find yourself in this little happy medium potentially if Toronto wins the game by one, where you win your bet and your team wins, right? And it's sort of almost a uh, you know emotional hedge, if you will. We sort of. Okay call it that in uh, in the betting game, right? Where you're a fan of one team, they could, you know, listen, if they win by two goals, you, you know, didn't have a heart attack during the game and maybe that costs you 10 bucks and that's okay. And if they lost you win the bet and if they win by one, they win in overtime, double the celebrations because you got a little extra money in your pocket. So uh, I would never sort of advise betting the favorite on the puck line. That right. is to me sort of a sucker bet because of the price that it offers, right? It's like, oh, you could double your money. They just have to win by two. Oh, hockey teams win by two all the time. But as I sort of mentioned, right, from a record keeping standpoint over the course of an entire playoffs over the course of, you know, your betting life, if you will, it's just not going to work out in your favor, just consistently going to that well, because all these teams are really good in the NHL and winning by two is really, really hard.
2: Man, yeah, it's it's all just it can be a little bit overwhelming trying to see like where to start and what makes the most sense. um Moving over to like the AHL, would you bet differently in the AHL than you would the NHL?
3: I've literally never made an AHL bet in my life. And I didn't even anybody, know that was a thing. It is, buy- it is. It is. <laughs> they do. They do offer it from time
4: to time, and I, I remember you know seeing it on a on a sports book. uh I, I can't remember where if, what it was, but it might have been just like like my local book and being like, what is, I don't, I didn't even want to look at it. Cause I'm like, I can't, I can't take another step forward and, and you know bet, start betting it. But I mean, like you can bet on the Russian hockey league and you, okay. you like the KHL and stuff. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, like the answer in betting, it can you, when, when you start a question with, can you bet on the answer is almost always yes. Right. Like someone yeah. will be posting a line for it, but I mean, the, the best way to this, one of the great things about the action app is it, it, it can seem overwhelming, but the first layer of it is, is basically just finding a couple of people who you know and trust and and seeing what they're betting and following. You don't even have to tell their pick, but if you see Matt is betting on the, uh, the Nashville Predators against the Carolina Hurricanes, you can say, well, you know, I think Matt's a pretty smart guy. He looks at the the um, the matchups very you know black and white and, and doesn't really let his heart get in his way, in the way but he, so why you start asking asking yourself like why do you think Matt sees value on a team like Nashville against a better team like Carolina so that's always a good way just to like kind of pay attention to the app almost passively right. to see what where where people are going and and who the people are and, and you know because then you can also be like. I'm gonna follow my friend, who I know is just, you know, a degenerate who who likes to bet favorites. And you could say, "Okay, take the
2: wheel, help me yeah,
4: out." Yeah. <laughs> but they might be on the the favorite. Be like, "Well." If this kind of makes sense, I got the guy who who just looks at the the numbers and he's, you know, maybe maybe a little bit boring in the way he approaches it against the person who's just, you know, like you said, Jesus, take the wheel sitting on the, mm-hmm. the uh, edge of their seat and just kind of just like flying, flying by the seat of their pants and hoping that they get lucky. So that's a, that's a good thing about, you know, what we do at Action Network is we we do kind of put that stuff right in front
3: of you didn't know that we'd get some yoga references from Michael today. That was a surprise it. to me as well.
2: Got to get our chakras aligned. We've got to be all Zen while we make these bets. My last question I have for you guys is how, what is the most amount of money you've made betting on the NHL?
4: Well, I'm going to start with the heartbreaking story before I get to <laughs> the the, hap, the happy ending. as betters always do. <laughs> I was all over the Winnipeg jets preseason. I actually, when the Vegas golden Knights made it to the Stanley cup, they beat the, the jets in that uh, Western conference final. And and I, I was all over the jets from basically the the second the market opened right after the previous Stanley cup. And they were at like 80 to one, 66 to one. And I just kept betting them. And I, I was standing, if, if had the jets made it to the Stanley cup, not only was I in a good position to hedge, but even if I didn't hedge, like I was in a pretty good position to make a, a lot of money. Um, And also was, this was right when I started at Action Network too. So I looked like a, like a genius for a little while there too, but um, you know, they did, they played pretty well in that series, but ended up losing. Um, And it was just like another kind of, you know, kick in the gut uh, in, in, in this kind of long line of it. But then the following, uh, or is it two years, whatever it was when the blues, so the blues were in last place in the entire NHL on January 1st um, uh, and ended up putting things together. They, they kind of showed some signs. Like we, we do look for these signs, like these expected goals, like maybe a team is driving play at five and five, but they're not converting their chances. The blues kind of were like that. Um, They started to get better goaltending and all of a sudden they were climbing up the the standings. And uh, I had them at, you know, 45 to one and 30 to one on their journey. I didn't, I wasn't one of the lucky few to get them at, you know, the two fifty to one that they were at around new year's day. But um, that was probably my biggest uh, win in uh, hockey uh it was it was you know to me pretty substantial. Uh it definitely helped put some uh are you
2: allowed to like give us a number or you know, uh, let's like just
4: say that. I'll put it this way, like it definitely helped me um pay for my wedding and stuff oh. like and stuff like that. Like okay. yeah, it was it was you know, I, I won't I won't ever tell my, my my darling wife Emily that she she doesn't <laughs> listen to this, she could care less. But like you know, part of like her her uh yeah. Her, her big night was paid for by Jordan Bennington and the St. Louis blues. We actually Hell had a big poster yes. of him. We had a big poster of him in the, in the wedding I reception. I feel like you mall. should
2: tell her that put a little respect on your name. Got that done.
4: I, I like to have her think that like, it's just through hard work and, and ingenuity and, and
3: stuff like that. <laughs> and you, let's not kid ourselves. That's the same thing, it. my friend. Yeah, that's true. That's true.
4: <laughs> well, you got any, any more tips for her? No, just, uh, yeah. Embrace, embrace the pain, embrace the pain. Cause we, we now have <laughs> dragged you in. I always like to say that, um, Albert Camus who's a French philosopher who who has a thing about in life you just got to imagine Sisyphus the guy who's rolling that ball up the hill for eternity if you can imagine him happy you will be happier and that's kind of how I approach hockey betting
3: so I agree. Sports bettors literally just sit around and come up with metaphors to explain how sports betting works to non sports bettors, because really, until you experience it, right, you don't really know. Now, I know you've you're, you know, in a condition, if you will. Do you have a doctor's note in order to bet on the Stanley Cup playoffs at this point in time? Because I feel like that's my labor.
2: Yeah, I could induce my labor at this point.
3: I'm very worried about you.
2: Even just watching uh, the other night with the the Golden Knights looking for them to clinch the West. I was like, just, I get so aggressive just screaming at my TV. It it really could lead me in the direction of water breaking. Yeah,
3: well, there you go. That's not going to happen to Michael. But
2: that would be very Canadian of me.
3: Yeah, absolutely. She is Canadian. And because of that, she already knows more about hockey than you do. She's on Twitter at Renee Paquette and she's on the Action Network app, Renee underscore Paquette. So you can follow her and see how she does in all of this. Though there, there may be a day or two in there where she's got some other things going on in her life and isn't able to get down on a game. Thanks for hanging out with us, Renee. This was a blast.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. Thanks for the insight. And um, yeah, you know, being a, a Las Vegas resident now it's about damn time. I learned how to gamble a little bit, you know,
3: that's the spirit just in time, time for just in time to be a parent.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right.
3: <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks guys.
1: This is action network podcast producer, Matt Mitchell, here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your Action App. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Now back to the show,
3: Michael. How much fun was that? Poor Renee doesn't know what she's getting herself into. Uh, all right, man. Let's keep the Canadian vibes going and let's start our series by series examinations here with the North. Um, also, to let you start here, um, Toronto and Montreal. You talked earlier, obviously, about you're not feeling Toronto. But does that mean you're feeling Montreal here, potentially, at a big price? Right now, we're seeing numbers, you know, in the mid plus 200s here for a series price for Montreal. Um, You know, puncher's chance or no for you?
4: Yeah, it's not a bet I'm, like, thrilled to make for sure. But, like, uh, here's the thing. Like, the, the Canadians have been bad, too, like the Jets. For a pretty good for a good amount of time but before that they were good and they just weren't getting the results and so you wonder like where did that team go part of it i think is that brendan gallagher who is a, a menace and a great play driver uh has been hurt with a, an, a broken hand or something i think he's back uh for game one they're hopeful uh and they are a deep team they they might not blow you away with star power but they're a deep team and it comes down to one question with the, the canadians and that is if Carey price is starting which I assume he will, because that's what the Canadians do, even though he's got worse numbers than Jake Allen uh, in, during sure. the regular season. Like if Carey Price plays, does he play like the 930 goalie we saw in the uh, 930, mean the 930 save percentage goalie we saw in the playoffs last year? Or does he play like the one we've seen in the regular season for the past three or four years, which is closer to 900? And um, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical. But if they do play Jake Allen, all of a sudden you're saying, uh, the, you got to give the Canadians a goaltending edge, I think, over Campbell and or... Frederick Anderson, whoever the Leafs go with. Uh, and there's also a lot of pressure on the Leafs coaching staff to get that call right. Uh, so, like, if, if they go with the wrong guy, all of a sudden, like we've talked about, the Leafs are covered in a very peculiar way, and uh, it, you'll see fires everywhere in Toronto if, if maybe the Canadians rush race off to a one nothing lead um, and or one of the goalies struggles. So, I think that, yes, puncher's chance. Should you expect to win this bet? Absolutely not. But uh, you're talking about a, a, a team that has shown – the ability to play at a very high level at plus two fifteen in a best of seven series, um, and I just I I don't really think I can look away from that price, unfortunately. So yeah, I, I mean I do like the difference between these two series in the North is like I like the series price much more with Montreal than I do with the Jets at plus one fifty against the Oilers, but I like the 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 Jets long term path more um, than than I would the Canadians.
3: Yeah. So, you know, let me put it this way. And I think this is going to be the case for a couple of different playoffs. Right. What version of the Montreal Canadiens are we going to get? Because fundamentally, the Leafs have a type. Right. Michael, remember in high school, there was always that girl. Right. And she was Everybody wanted to go out with that girl. And she ended up with the guy who had like five tattoos, he had an arm sleeve. You're like, how does this guy have an arm sleeve? He's 16 years old, where did he get these tattoos? Does he have parents? What's the situation here? Like how long has he even been in high school? I've never seen him in a class, et cetera, et cetera, right? And you could hit the game-winning three-pointer for five straight games. You could win a state title, a provincial title, doesn't matter, she wants the guy with the tattoos, right? The Toronto Maple Leafs have a type just like she does. And where they fall victim is that like defensive version. Right. And it's been the Boston Bruins over and over again. Right. We saw, you know, Bruins Light, the Columbus Blue Jackets last year, knock off the Leafs. That's the terror that is here in Toronto in in Leafland, land, if you will. And so the problem here for Montreal is like they could be that team. And you're right at the start of the season, they were that team super stingy with the high danger chances expected goals uh, against incredibly low. And then of course they make a uh, coaching change and a bunch of injuries pile up. And so was it the coaching change that threw them off or was it, purely the injuries and guys that like you mentioned Gallagher a key member he's coming back so what version are we going to get because my numbers make Toronto a massive favorite here based on the version of the Habs that we've seen over the say last two months right essentially since they changed coaches but if that version that was the analytics darling from earlier on this season and by the way in previous seasons as well right if that version shows up and that stingy defense type of thing now all of the a sudden guess what the montreal canadians have an arm sleeve tattooed all over them and now you're going to be in just absolute terror here in toronto over you know what we might see here and you're right about carrie price right and the realities are they're gonna have some hard conversations here and they've had to have them because that guy i don't want to use the word washed but we're getting there at this point
0: do you have any idea
3: how disrespectful that is Like, but he gets, like you said, every benefit of the doubt. And he hasn't even played in like a month at this point. So, goaltending questions abound in this. And, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be backing Montreal because, again, I've lived here for 15 years, Michael, and I've literally never seen the Toronto Maple Leafs win a playoff series. Like that's insane. And so it's really hard to go. Yeah. You know what? I want Toronto at a pretty big number here uh, on the series price. Like that just doesn't sound like a thing to do. But again, if you're getting the version of Montreal that we've seen over the last month or so, it's actually not that bad of a price. So I think you're right. Like this is dog or nothing in this case, but You know, again, if we get the version of Montreal here, and I think we'll know that pretty soon, right? If it's a low scoring game one, even if Toronto wins, maybe that's an opportunity to get an even better price on Montreal, knowing that like, it might be one of these series where like, looks like we're in for a fist fight type of situations, right? Even if Toronto goes up one to nothing. So, and you know, meanwhile, like like you mentioned, this division has these run and gun type teams, right? Which is perfect for Toronto. And so they, you know, the league here might have fallen ass backwards into getting Toronto into the semifinals, which is good for the league. It's what they want here, right? Bad news is nobody can go outside here in Toronto still. And so you're not gonna get the vibe, right? The Maple Leaf Square, the thing that actually attracts people to watch some of these games is just watching outside of the arena and the chaos ensuing. And so this would be quite quite the uh, irony, if you will, that we get that when nobody can see it, right? It's a tree falling in a forest type situation here in Toronto. So let's move to the other series. Uh, in the north division edmonton and winnipeg and you and i have sort of differing opinions here fundamentally about winnipeg but you know, does that mean you're going to back Winnipeg? You talked about a plus 150. I've seen as high as plus 175 for Winnipeg that even me who despises Winnipeg, again, nothing personal. It's all in the black and white. I could care less about you as, as, a, as a group, um, Manitoba. But, you know, are, is there a number that you're looking for here? Because at plus 175, I'm kind of like, you know what? That's actually pretty good for the Jets, even though I have sort of a different opinion you know, than you do
4: yeah I think I think if, if it creeps up towards that 170 range if I can find a 170 somewhere I'm in uh, I think 150 is a little little short but I, I like I said like this Jets team has has uh, they have like the escape valves for the for losing the five on five battle which is high high quality finishers great goaltender give me the jets 170 give me the Jets you know to win the Stanley Cup whatever it is both those jets I'll be burning those tickets pretty quickly but you know you got to take some chances.
3: Yeah. And one thing I should mention, or I'm sort of contractually obligated for my own self to mention here is how to bet the Oilers. I wrote a, a, I don't want to call it a preview necessarily, but a column for the Action Network a couple of weeks ago because Listen, this Oilers team, you mentioned it, right? There's not much to them other than Connor McDavid, but Newsflash, he is that good. So if you like the Oilers in any of these games, in any of their existence, right, find ways to just back Connor McDavid. Him over one and a half points has been a cash festival for us since I wrote that preview for the Action Network. And so Is that going to be the same situation for the playoffs against this Jets team? I don't know why not, right? Why wouldn't he be getting two points per game? They may lose the game, doesn't matter. And so the way the volatility has gone here with the pricing, I just want to mention, is like two weeks ago, they would be minus 130 on the money line, but his over one and a half would be minus 105. And it's like, if they're going to win, he's going to get two points. That's just what Connor McDavid does. That's how much he means to that team more than literally anybody else, maybe on any team, ever in the world right like given their successes here and the way that it started moving they would be minus 250 against the Canucks and his price would be minus 150 to go over one and a half points you're still like I'm going to take the over on his points that's a value play and then all of a sudden it flips the last week or so we saw him against Montreal they would be minus 105 uh, on the money line. And guess what? McDavid was minus 130 to get over one and a half points. Like all of a sudden he was heavily favored more so than the team was. So we have to keep an eye on this. But again, if you're backing the Oilers because of McDavid, just bet on McDavid. And I alluded to it early and we're going to, I'm going to re allude to it later. Uh, there's another way to bet the Oilers here that involves McDavid that will save for the end of the show. And so um, listen, if I could, I would replace this. You know, I put the senators into the playoffs here instead of the jets, but nobody listens to me and there's absolutely no voting going on uh, as far as that, as that process is concerned. So we talked about the North, we talked about the Canadian division for me. That was, that was one for me. Let's give it one for you here, right? The East division. Let's start with might as well, right? The Islanders and Pittsburgh. And let's just get it out there right now you and i are both betting the islanders here on the series price i know it and tell us why you're doing it other than the fact that you're going to be in the house for some of these games
4: yeah I'll definitely be in the house i'm hoping to get to pittsburgh maybe for a game if, if um, the, the stars align but uh, they, the, like this team the ceiling is there they've shown it they showed it for a considerable amount of time this wasn't just like a flash in the pan for the islanders where they played well for like a 10 game stretch this was like a 35 40 game stretch And then their season got jolted a little bit by an injury. And guess what? Like the, the way these, these seasons have gone for every team, the players have been restricted on the road. They've been, they can't really talk to each other in hotels, whatever, whatever we, you know, now by now, like the rules for playing road games kind of suck. That's going to wear on you. So, The fact that the Islanders kind of petered out towards the end of the season when they basically knew they were already in the playoffs and were dealing with an injury and also integrating new players into a very uh, heavy-on-the-detail system that takes some time for new players to get involved in, especially important ones, like you can probably give them an excuse like you can for a horse having a bad trip in a horse race or something before the Derby. Um, So I'm I'm willing to kind of cross those last 15 games off uh, for the Islanders and think – even if they don't play their best brand of hockey, like the Jets, they have an escape valve in their goaltender. Simeon Varlamov has been playing at an unreal level for you know basically the whole season. He's been one of the best goalies in the league. He could be a Vezina candidate. He led the league in shutouts. He is gives the Islanders that plan B. And guess what? Like They play great defense too. So even if he is not on a good... If he has a tough game, the defense might play well enough that they don't need him to make crazy saves or something. And they're deep up front, like the, as, as good as, as high. The, these are two different teams in like they, they'll play to like similar um, styles. But the way they go about it, their business is a little different because of the Penguins. They have superstar level players, Cindy Crosby, Jake Gensel, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Latang. you know the crew. But they also don't have the depth the Islanders have. They don't have the goaltending the Islanders have. This is a susceptible team. If the Islanders can find a way to keep this game in in of predictable or manageable, I like the Islanders to be able to grind out results, uh, even though, and I think we're getting a decent price here because the Penguins went six and two against the Islanders in the regular season, but two of those wins came in overtime. So it's basically, you're looking at teams that basically split the four games, the eight games, four and four, if you want to flip a coin and goes the other way for the Islanders. So I think that you're getting a good price. There's a lot of different ways. I think you can bet the Islanders, whether it's just to win this series, I think there's a little bit of value, whether it's to win the the, quote, like the East division playoff bracket. I think there's a little bit of value or if if it's, if you want to bet them to win the Stanley cup, I think there's a lot of different entryways into a team that right now is probably at their peak in terms of price since uh, maybe mid January.
0: Yeah.
3: It's interesting. Right. Because for me, when you add up, what do I want from an underdog? Right. Well, one, I want good metrics, right. I want those five on five metrics and my model lives for the Islanders in that category. Right. And then the other thing is, you know, we talked about the jets and like they get opportunities, they score them. Well, I'm going to need a goaltender, right. That's going to be able to stop those really good opportunities off the stick of as, you know, like you mentioned, Carter, Gensel and obviously Crosby and Malkin and the Islanders have both of those things here. And so my model makes the Islanders a favorite in this game. And you talked about how the Islanders have struggled down the stretch here, some sketchy results, I've got a little bit of a conspiracy theory and right. And Mel Gibson's nowhere to be found in this one. Uh, my conspiracy theory here is the Islanders are completely content with taking on the Penguins and knew as we got down the stretch to the season, that you know what? The fourth seed isn't the worst thing in the world because that two, three matchup that we're going to talk about in a second year between Washington and Boston is rough. I don't want anything to do with either of those teams. We just handled the Penguins a couple of years ago where Sidney Crosby had one assist in a, four game sweep by the Islanders, a team that it's a pretty similar looking team, right? they actually may be actually a lot better than they were a couple of years ago when they knocked off the penguins. So my conspiracy is, They just are completely fine with this matchup. And if you're sort of looking at the last 25 games of the season, which, you know, strangely enough, this season is almost half the season. um, The Islanders have been, you know, right around average. Again, part of that is because of what's happened recently. But so have the Penguins. And of their last 25 games, 12, almost half of those games Came against Buffalo and New Jersey, right? So if you're looking at the Penguins and going, like, well, they made this huge run to make, you know, to get into the first seed here to win the division at 18 5 and 2 in these last games. Well, if you're playing the Devils and the Sabres every second game, like that's the kind of thing that's going to happen. Like, yeah, you are going to win the division if you get those two teams that often here. So I don't think that this is like Islanders are playing badly and the Penguins are playing great in the same way that, like you said, their head-to-head matchup is a little bit deceiving here as well. And so once the metrics kind of decide that the Islanders are value, even from just a series standpoint – then everything else islanders becomes value as well, like you mentioned, right? Everything kind of goes off of that series price. So like money lines in the game, like you mentioned, all of the other um, derivatives, if you will, right? Keeping this series close, you know, plus one and a half on a series price, over five and a half on a series game total, all of that stuff sort of falls in line. So I think any bet that you make with an eye on the Islanders being Um, more competitive, or even just flat out winning this series, even an alternative minus one and a half on the Islanders. How's that right? Like a pretty juicy number there, potentially at like a plus 200 ish type of a thing for them to take it down in six games or less. I think that's a really good bet. Um, let's go to the other one. And this is, you know, for all, you know, credit to the Islanders here, the Boston and Washington series in the East is the headliner, if you will. And so this is a lot like Montreal and Toronto in that it's going to be what version, but the opposite, right? Boston, what version of Boston? Because since they got Taylor Hall, right, their metrics are off the charts, right? Like just give them the Stanley Cup now, because you know what? They got a former MVP for practically, and let's just kind of be honest about it, frankly, nothing, right? They just add. Added him to a team that's already pretty loaded, right? They didn't get very far last year in the playoffs because Tuka Rask just decided he was out, right? And again, make the decision you ever want to make here. But that's a pretty good excuse for getting knocked out of the playoffs is that you were relying on Yaroslav Halak, who I don't even think is going to suit up in these, uh, you know, even on the bench here for these games. And so if you look at this season-wide from a metric standpoint, Washington here is, I think, a slight favorite. They are at home as well. That only I think really matters once we get to a game seven from a win probability standpoint. But again, they are a slight favorite. I have them minus one Oh two on a neutral ice type situation here, but that's a season long thing. And if this Bruins team is the Taylor hall edition of the Bruins team, again, the opposite of the recent Montreal Canadians edition, I, I understand. I understand why this Boston team is now, you know, Pretty decently favored here uh, against Washington because Taylor Hall, I mean, call him the vaccination because this guy's a shot of life at this point for the Bruins season. So, I mean, what do you think? Is there a play here for you? Or has Boston gotten out of the range where they are possibly a play on? And what do you think of the Capitals at this
0: point?
4: Yeah, I think I think that's the way you look at it, right? Like, like the Bruins, if the Bruins came in at like minus 120, minus 125, uh, which I think they would have been if the series played, you know, a week ago, um, I would have been in on it. But I think actually, so you mentioned something before about the Islanders about, you know, playing an alternate or a derivative. And I think there's a way to to play the series without getting involved with, um, you know, just a straight up series line, which if this capital price keeps climbing towards like 135, I think I would be involved, but I don't know if it'll get there. Uh, when I bet on boxing, a lot of times what I like to do is I, I step back from the fight and I say, what is the least likely outcome? Because in a fight, when you're talking about a, a, a prize fight, Tyson Fury versus An- Anthony jo- Joshua, for example, everybody in the world will be talking about it, and they're all going to have the same thing. Oh, this is going to end in seven. This is going to be a knockout. There's no way this fight is ending Or this fight will will just be a slugfest that will go to the judges. Everyone always seems to have a consensus. So in a series like this, which you know, kind of is like a prize fight, these two teams. Uh, I like to think, all right, if everybody's expecting this to be a grinded out, tough affair, both teams will play a physical brand of hockey. It'll be close. They both have good defensive numbers. Uh, They both have very high-end finishers scoring. They both score, and they both have great number one defensemen. Like, There's a lot of things that line up here. But So then I take a step back and say, if everybody thinks this series is going six or seven, that probably means that there's value going against that, right? So I'm thinking maybe I'll take a shot and and do I expect this bet to win? No, but like maybe I'll take a shot on either one of these teams to, to finish it in a sweep or finish it in five, something, mm-hmm. something just to go against the grain um, because I think like we see it all the time. There's always one weird sweep in the NHL in the first round. We saw it with the blue jackets. We saw it with the Islanders when they did it to the penguins, like things have things, weird things happen in the playoffs. Um, and for, for basically every, uh, one of these series. This seems to be the one where everyone has a consensus. Which oh, this is you know Bruins and seven, Bruins and six, Capitals and seven, whatever. So that's how I'm approaching it. Uh, I'm going to look for the biggest price on, on on a market like that, like maybe under five and a half or or a sweep.
3: I like that. And I would sort of uh, piggyback that a little bit here with a total games prop, right? Uh, My numbers, again, it comes out to think that under five and a half total games in this series should be priced at plus 167. Well, like you said, if everybody thinks this is going deep, I think we might get a better price than that, right? And if I can get better than plus 167 on one of these teams to get it done in 5 and it doesn't matter who, right? And it's so sort of razor thin, right? The margins in the NHL as you know, right? Like it could be a cr- incredibly competitive series from a game to game standpoint where just an overtime goal goes one way and now all of a sudden the team's up 3 to 1 instead of 2-2 and now they finish it off potentially in that final game. And by the way, if you're sitting there with that final game it's a 3-1 series you're in game five you can actually kind of play around with that if you're sitting there with like a plus 180 plus 190 type price because neither team is going to be favored in any of these games by a number higher than that right so it sort of sets you up to go okay somebody be up three to one going into that fifth game and i can having watched four games kind of decide What I think is going to happen. Do I want to get out of that bet? Maybe it's a cash out situation or do I want to come over the top on whoever is, you know, down three to one, right? So there's a bunch of different ways, like you said, that you can play it. Right. And so, you know, again, Tuka Rask hasn't had the best season either. So things could fall off the wagon there a little bit, uh, for him and the Washington Capitals goaltending has been incredibly suspect as well. So if either of those things kind of go poorly, both of these teams, as you said, can be capable of filling it up. I will mention Brad Marchand, 13 points in seven games this season against the Caps. That's really interesting, I think, for me from a prop standpoint in that, like, you know, Marchand's always a gamer when it comes to the playoffs to everybody's annoyance and irritation. Um, but if you want to try to make some money off of a guy who is incredibly annoying To watch otherwise, right? He's the Patrick Reed of the NHL, right? Patrick Reed always has great value because nobody wants to bet on Patrick Reed. Same kind of deal with Brad Marshall, right? We see him licking people, but we don't give him credit for scoring points. And for whatever reason, he's had a really good uh, showing here against the Washington Capitals uh, this season. So let's go back into one of my other sort of bread and butters here, and that's the Central Division. And so uh, I want to start off by sort of saying here, overview, big picture thing with the Central. Uh, We've got what I call a Lawrence Robbie situation. Do you know what the Lawrence Robbie situation is, Michael? No, but I'm very excited to find out. Yeah, of course you wouldn't know that because I just made it up, right? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, we're all familiar with her work and we're also uh, familiar with Margot Robbie's work, right? And so in the early 2010s, Jennifer Lawrence, all the rage, right? She's winning uh, Academy Awards. Everybody loves her. And then all of a sudden, Wolf of Wall Street rolls around and we go Margot Robbie, who is this and now all of a sudden she's getting the roles and she's getting the hype and she's getting the awards right she's nominated for the Academy Awards and not like Jennifer Lawrence went anywhere but we're not like tripping over ourselves to put her in every movie that we can possibly fund that I think is the situation here in the central right we talked about it earlier the Carolina Hurricanes are the Margot Robbie, right? Everybody loves them. We got to put them in everything. We need them in parlays. We need them in futures. We need them everywhere, right? Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Lightning, kind of old news already, right? They won their Stanley Cup. They finally got it. And it's like, yeah, I'd love to watch the Tampa Bay Lightning play hockey in, you know, in a nice role there. Maybe an American hustle. I don't know. But you know, really, what we really want to see is this Margot Robbie Carolina Hurricanes team here, like this is the squad we want to see here. So people are lining themselves up for the Carolina Hurricanes. And of course, they are heavily favored here against the Nashville Predators. I think the Predators might be Nicole Kidman for a couple of different reasons, but that's kind of beyond us at this point. So fundamentally, what do you think of this uh, series that I think I have lined pretty correctly? Uh, I had Carolina sort of a minus 236 here. Um, There's some minus 240 is kind of the best i've seen it and it's kind of shot up a little bit here so i think people kind of saw minus 240 and saw the same value that i did and may have sort of bumped that up here a little bit but i think you kind of think that predators have a chance here or am i wrong uh, i i would like a bigger number because i think the way i'm
4: looking at this is there's one way and one way only the predators win the series that's if you who is who uh is their goaltender who was great down the stretch uh it was playing at like a Vezina level form for the last 20 games. He's got to steal the series because the the hurricanes are just that much better. Um, there's really, that's really the only path to success. And for that, I would probably want a little bit of a higher number. Um, but like, yeah, it's, 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 it's dog or nothing for me. It probably probably would be nothing on the series line, uh, in this one. It's just, I think, you know, the hurricanes just seemed like they're a, a little bit of a wagon and, and, uh, we'll have to deal with a tougher team in the second round. And of course they can't overlook the predators, but from a betting standpoint, I'm not, not terribly interested
3: yet. Yeah. And I don't know that we need to talk that much about it. I think, you know, I think there might be a little value values, maybe not the right word here, but the under five and a half, you know, here as well. And not because I think, you know, either team could, you know, take it. It's, just more like i think nashville is probably good for one here they beat them twice at the end of the regular season when carolina had nothing to play for other than that it was a trucking for the first six games in favor of carolina so under five and a half at a plus price i think you can get it at plus 125 i was kind of hoping for plus 140 potentially saros is an interesting character just an ugly start for him this season and now all of a sudden he's in the top five and goals saved above the average what an incredible drag job that he did just carrying this team into the playoffs and My money stealing the spot of the Dallas Stars, who, you know, again, from a metric standpoint and just branding standpoint would have been that fourth team that you would have thought in the central, but the big time series in this division here, the one that's really worth talking about is the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay lightning. Uh, I haven't decided who the appropriate actress is for the Florida Panthers, uh, but I'll get back to everybody on that one. Um, So again, I make Tampa Bay a favorite here. The market makes Tampa Bay a favorite here, but Florida's higher up in the standings. They are the home team here. And I think you might like the Florida Panthers in this one as your sort of dog, Uh, you know, your dog play here for, uh, for certainly this division, if not maybe the entire, uh, you know, non Islanders edition of the playoffs.
4: I I do. I think at this, the current prices, maybe like wait it out a little bit. I think, you know, as casual money starts, like not, not everyone's like freaks like you and me where we're betting these games or these series, you know, 72 hours before even the first one starts, we don't even have a schedule for other ones. Like when, when the rest of the world realizes when the, when the playoff starts, I think money will probably come in on the lightning. Oh, look at this price. We're getting on the best team in the world. Uh, And people just don't realize like the, like you said, branding before, Florida Panthers aren't what you would call a big brand. Um, So I think there's going to be value on the Panthers. I don't know how much I trust their goaltending situation. It's another kind of elephant in the room with a goalie who's makes a ton of money in Sergei Bobrovsky, and he's probably their second, maybe even their third best goalie on the roster right now. So yeah. There's, there's some things I want to see shake out before I get involved with the Panthers. Also, the, the, the Lightning are dealing with a bunch of like different injury issues. So uh, I am I'm definitely leaning towards Florida. I haven't made that bet yet, but uh, they're, they're definitely someone who I'm interested in and, I'm, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. I'm interested in their derivative markets too uh, on the futures uh, because like, this, they definitely have the capability to go far in this tournament.
3: Yeah, what a fascinating team, right? Because they lose Aaron Eckblad a couple of few weeks ago for the season. And then from a metric standpoint, five on five, they actually got better. Like they were kind of smoking mirrorsing in it around a little bit too, for my liking, at about 1% above average in my market rating. And so they lose Ekblat and they have been playing at a closer to 10% above average rating. Now, again, small sample size because it's been less than half the season that they've been without him. And so I don't really know what to make. And you mentioned Bobrovsky and do we even know if he's going to start in game one or whether it's going to be Chris Drejer because that makes a really big difference to me. Right. And so maybe this is a past situation, but if we do see Drejer, I do have sort of the idea here that I like the under, in these games here. And I think we're going to um, maybe get a little bit of an overcompensation for the fact that Tampa is going to get Kucherov and Stamkos back. By the way, what are they holstering, right? Because there was no reason for them to come back during the regular season. They've been practicing for a couple of weeks now. So maybe they come out just flying ready to go here. But I think there's going to be an adjustment from practicing to playoff intensity hockey. So, I mean, maybe Florida in game one is a good option there. But I think the under in general, if we can get a flat six on these totals i've got the numbers from expected goals even strength for the first six games and i threw out the last two games even though they would help my argument that's how honest i am with you here michael in the first six games that these two teams played they averaged 2.87 expected goals at even strength so even if we're giving each team a power play goal we're still not even quite at five expected goals for the game here and vasilevsky amazing. Dreger this season, amazing. And even the kid that they brought up for a couple of starts still, like you mentioned, might be better than Bobrovsky. So if it's not Bobrovsky and it is Dreger, and it's Vasilevsky as obviously it's going to be here, maybe the under is a play here, especially if we get Kucherov and Stamkos back, who, again, I think that's interesting as we kind of progress here, where they're going to fit in and sort of how they're going to be able to fit in. Uh, Not that I'm worried about them from a talent standpoint, but certainly from a, you know, listen, Kucherov haven't even played this season. Right. And uh, uh, that could be a tough situation for them, at least in game one. All right. Fourth and final division here. And let's take people behind the curtain here for the West. Uh, It's our first bet, if you will, of the playoffs, and it's happening before the playoffs even start. Colorado minus 400 tonight at home to win the division and set up the matchups that we're going to talk about here. Vegas Golden Knights against Minnesota and Colorado taking on St. Louis. And so uh, hopefully that quote-unquote, cashes. We're not actually recommending people to bet that, but, you know, we're going to take our chances here with the Avs winning and taking down the president's trophy. And so what that would set up, though, is a matchup against the St. Louis Blues, you know, a team that obviously won the Stanley Cup, A couple of years ago, we talked about branding with Renee and the idea that like, you know what, a lot of people are going to back St. Louis or think St. Louis has a chance in this series because of their reputation Uh, and Jordan Binnington and Ryan O'Reilly and all of those guys, right? My numbers live for the Colorado avalanche. I right? talked about it a little bit earlier on when we talked about betting for the Stanley cup. So obviously I like the Avs here and I'm not from, again, a number standpoint, afraid of the St. Louis blues here. Colorado has everything you want, right? The scoring punch, uh, high danger chances, five on five this season, try this on for such 501 going into this last game of the season to 356 for their opponents, almost, and who knows, we might actually hit the 150 mark, 150 more high danger chances than their opponents. Like that's like just crack for me at this point in time. They've been great in their last 25, St. Louis, not so much. So you don't even have sort of a form type situation situation here. Uh, I might be willing to lay it depending on what this price actually is. If it's anything under minus 300, I'm probably going here with the colorado avalanche and michael what do you think man are you going with the what two years ago stanley cup champion here or are you riding with me or are you just walking away
4: yeah i'll probably just walk away from the series price like i think here uh, i i have i bet the blues a while ago at 60 to 1 um thinking you know maybe they get lucky and and they weren't even a shoe in for the playoffs at that point i was just saying I'm betting on the ceiling, right? I'm betting on a team that, like you said, won the Stanley Cup two years ago, last year, best record in the Western Conference before the hiatus. So that was the ceiling bet. I think if you are going to bet the Blues to win the series, like you should think about it like that. Like you should be getting paid off big time for taking a, sh- a stand with the blues, whether that's doing maybe like a rolling series parlay. If they beat the Avalanche somehow, and then they or beat the golden Knights, you know, keep rolling it over. You get a big number. Um, but yeah, other than that, like this, it's tough. It's tough to imagine uh, St. Louis uh, putting up much of a fight, but you know, we, you, you look always the standard caveat in uh, Stanley cup, hockey and hockey in general is weird stuff happens. So um, nothing, nothing too much, Uh, for me for this series, but definitely if I would go big or go home, if you're going with the blues.
3: Yeah, and and so for me, like, you know, the numbers come out Colorado, 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 it's the same kind of thing only in the reverse as we talked about with the Islanders, right? If the numbers like Colorado and maybe, you know, series price is a little bit too rich for you, derivative markets that favor Colorado are also going to have a value price to them. So a minus one and a half. And I think it's worth sort of mentioning the minus one and a half series price. When we're talking about favorites, right? And again, in this case, I love Colorado, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I don't really want to back them with that money line or that series line price. So I go with the minus one and a half. And the reason I would do that is it's not the same thing as betting on a game. We talked again with you know Renee about, you know, it's really hard to win a hockey game by two goals, but a series on the other hand, I don't want to say it's easy to win a game in six or in five, right. But it's certainly, you know, they're more than capable of doing so. And so if I like Colorado the way that I do, I probably don't feel like I need to Game seven as my backup plan, right? And if I'm expecting this to go seven, I probably like the underdog at a really big number, right? So I might as well just forego the series price and take the minus one and a half if I have that much conviction about this team. Because if we get to game seven, I've already made a bad bet at that point if I'm backing them on the series price. Yes, it's still alive. And yes, I still may win, but it's a bad bet at that point. So for me here, I'd rather go big in the Colorado by. You know, four, two, four, one, four, you know, four, nothing type of thing here, and just kind of go minus one and a half there. And in general as well when it comes to these upsets i find in the nhl and this is kind of a perfect segue because in 2019 the colorado avalanche knocked off the calgary flames in the first round and you're sitting there right now and you're going like what's the big deal like colorado's such a good team the flames didn't make the playoffs this year at the time it was an upset and kind of a big one because the flames had a good season and the Avs hadn't had so much of a great season and so you know i was on that back then but what i like to try to do when it comes to upsets is it's tricky, right? Because, you know, you kind of have to do a little, you know, future uh, telling, if you will, fortune telling. But, you know, these teams that knock a team off in the first round, they often become teams that are then favored, right? Like it's usually the start of something, if you will. I think back to the Kings knocking off the Canucks, my Canucks, as an 8-1 matchup. Well, Kings didn't waste any time. They won the Stanley Cup that year. But, you know, we then figured out they were pretty good and were good for the next few years here. Whereas St. Louis, you know, they might be on the back end of their, you know, window, if you will. Pardon the pun. And so, that, I think, segues us to Vegas and Minnesota. Now, Vegas has been great for a really long time here. But if you're looking at a team that could be on the start of something, I think that team's the Minnesota Wild. And I think, obviously, you've got the star rookie who is you know probably going to be awesome for the next 10 years. So this might be the beginning of that. And so my numbers here, and we'll get your take on this in a second here. My numbers here make Vegas a favorite, but not by that much because again, Minnesota very good at even strength. Let's talk high danger chances, 444 this season to 359 in favor of uh, the Wild, whereas Vegas also very good, 539 to 469. But you can sort of do some quick math there and see that there's not that much of a discrepancy between the two teams. And the Wild, people are a little bit going to be a little bit surprised by this. They actually have an unusually high conversion rate offensively. So the chances that they're getting, which we are just talked about is a better percentage than they're giving up. They're also scoring on them more than league average, which is not something you think about when it comes to the Minnesota wild Vegas, on the other hand, an unusually low high danger chance conversion rate for their offense. So for all the names, the guys that you recognize for t- for the runs that they've been on in the last few years, they're not scoring at nearly as high of a rate as Minnesota is when they get these opportunities. So if this series is a 50-50-ish type of series, 5 on 5, I'm going to be on Minnesota when this number comes out because from a branding standpoint and don't tell Renee, everybody be quiet. This says, you know, we don't have to let her know this. But I think Vegas is, you know, could possibly get upset here and i'm looking for something above plus 150 ideally for minnesota but i think this is one where we're going to catch minnesota on their way up here for the next few years and not that vegas is going to necessarily go down but like they've become the hunted here when they used to be the hunter so uh, i'm looking at the wild here um, outright for the series at a hopefully a pretty good price here that we'll ne- we'll find out in the next couple of days uh michael what do you think about this one
4: yeah, I think it comes down to the price. Like everything in betting because the Wild are a little bit of a darling in the betting community, right? They'll they're if they get one as soon as that price opens, I expect if it's up there, if it's in, you know, the 140-150 range, I think that it'll get bet down. Um and uh to me like yeah, like these teams are pretty close, so if it if I can catch a good number like that, I'll, I'll totally be on the Wild, but if it does come down towards like the minus 120 mark for Vegas, I think then I'll start to get interested. Um uh, I think Vegas is really turned it on lately uh would talk about, like they were not all that good for a little while in the in the middle part of the season and they were getting results thanks to their goaltending Mark andre Fleury who had a renaissance season um and now they have Robin Leonard back in the fold he's playing great in gold too so they're the the Knights are, are very formidable opponent the Wild are very formidable opponent it's going to come down to the price for me uh but at the at the moment like yeah it's, it's basically. Where, where does this number open and where does it go? Because I do think that the wild, they're going to catch some, some like, you know, smart money uh, right as this, right as this price opens.
3: Well, that makes me feel better about it. Even if I don't end up getting the price, Uh, you know, obviously that means as we've talked about, right. Possible value on a plus one and a half series price, possible value on an over five and a half games type thing. Right. Because again, I think this thing uh, could go the distance or come pretty close to it. So that's a wrap as far as our division stuff is concerned. And, you know, I think that segues us here nicely to kind of full circle, get back to big picture stuff and the con Smythe trophy market. And again, could talk about this forever. I'm going to try to dial it down. Uh, but, Michael, let me ask you something here. Have you ever carried a man purse? You don't seem like a man purse guy. Uh, Maybe on the,
4: I don't, I've never owned one, but I maybe I've carried one for, for like a a like a nice leather satchel,
3: maybe maybe. for walking around. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. So, you know, if you don't have one, I suggest you get one because we're going to grab a bunch of players here, throw them in a portfolio and we're going to carry them around in our leather satchel for the playoffs. All right. You fired up for that?
4: I, I don't think I could think of anything. I would rather do more. (laughs)
3: <laughs> so our Conn portfolio, let's talk about sort of how we figure out who to back here. So a couple of important things. One, in general, quick stat here, the average age of a Conn Smythe trophy winner, 27.8 years of age. The outliers in that are guys like, maybe you've heard of them, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Evgeny Malkin, right? Guys who have won at a really young age as forward. So if we're looking for somebody who's really young, they need to be sort of hall of fame type level player, they need to be, let's call it a top pick, right? First round or first overall pick, a third overall pick and a second overall pick and all of that. So you got to really, you know, dial in if you want somebody who's young, right? You got to be sure that this player is going to be great. Secondly, from an odd standpoint, strictly mathematically speaking, You know, we talk about Consummate Trophy, you're probably not gonna win it if your team doesn't win the Stanley Cup. So you have to start with Stanley Cup futures odds and kind of go from there. And then third, positions, right? forwards, defense, goaltenders. We've got a nice round number to work with the last 50 Conn Smythe trophy winners, right? 13 have been goaltenders, 11 have been defense, and 26 have been forwards. So right there, if you just took a random team, you didn't know who was on the team necessarily, you would go, the goalie's got a 26% chance, a defenseman has a 22% chance, And a forward has a 55% chance. So you can get in. You can get weird with the math, right? You can start multiplying uh, player percentages to the team's chance to win the Stanley Cup. Problem is, in these markets, you're never going to find the true value. And of course, you also have to tweak things when it comes to different player personnel. There are players and teams that if they win, we talked about with the Islanders, right? Varlamov. He's going to win the Conn Smythe if they win the Stanley cup. The hard part is the Stanley cup. The easy part is figuring out who their MVP is going to be, right? Like there are teams that exist like that. So um, I'll start here because I have a couple that I want to sort of throw out there earlier. And this is finally what I alluded to early on here. I want to start with my guy here with everybody's guy, Connor McDavid. And so Yeah, you might not like them to make the first round, but in this market, the assumption already has to be that they've won the Stanley Cup because it doesn't really matter if they don't, right? And so right now you can get the Oilers at 19-20-1 to to win the Stanley Cup, or you can get McDavid at 24-25 to win the Stanley Cup. Michael, there's no way in hell that the Oilers are winning the Stanley Cup without Connor McDavid being the most valuable player by the way, for the entire playoffs, this isn't the Super Bowl where a guy has two interceptions and all of a sudden he steals the MVP. This is for the entire playoffs, right? And let me add this to it. Michael, who is the one human being on the planet who could win this award without winning the Stanley Cup? It's Connor McDavid, right? I was, was
4: going to say, I was wondering if you were going to bring that up because I could, you know, with the way he's, his prolific numbers... He, you know, we saw what, I think it was J.S. Jaguar is the only guy who's ever won it without being on the winning team, but he made it to the Stanley Cup. Like Connor McDavid, this is extremely unlikely, but could just go on such a tear and make, make it to like, you know, the semifinals and still lead the uh, playoffs in scoring. He won't win the Con Smythe if that happens, obviously. Yeah.
3: But if he gets into the Stanley Cup final, listen, we'll have just spent six weeks. Going, holy crap, Connor McDavid's amazing, right? We'll have spent all that time doing that. He's probably he will have played going into it, right? Say averages six games for three series, that's 18 games. Maybe five, they lose in five games. That's 23 games for McDavid. Let's do some quick math there. There's a very real possibility he ends up with 40 points, right? And they could lose to Colorado. They could lose to Carolina. They could lose to a team that has a lot of depth, a lot of different guys contributing, a defenseman that's really good, a goaltender that's played pretty well, right? And we're sitting there going like, Connor McDavid had 15 more points than the next closest guy. I don't care that he lost in the Stanley Cup final. So that's adding some value. So already we've got that value with him because he's a better price than his team which of course everybody is but he's the only one who is a 100 chance to win the con Smythe if his team wins and you get a whatever probability that might be right an extra five percent probability an extra two percent probability you're getting a little extra there knowing that this guy could have 45 points in the playoffs right and so Again, you don't have to like the Oilers. I would never bet the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. I don't even want them to win. You know, I I don't even want them um, from a betting standpoint in the first round of the playoffs. But from a strictly value standpoint here, we're getting the best player in the world, maybe of all time here, at an actually theoretical, mathematical value here. And I think I just have to get get down on that at around 25 to 1. Anything better than their Oilers you know, overall Stanley cup price here, I think is a really good value. So um, maybe you think I'm crazy. Maybe you've got an even better value out there. Um, who do you like to win the con Smythe sort of as your best bet theoretically? See,
4: this, this is why I love betting these kind of markets, right? The Smythe MVP markets is because there's such a, you can, it's much more art than it is science. And uh, I think that's what uh, you know, the case is with, with that McDavid play, which, and I, and I agree with it. Like, I think it's, a, if you're going to bet the Oilers to win the Stanley cup, just do yourself a favor and bet McDavid to win the con Smythe. I think it's a, it's a really, really good uh, way to look at it. I have, I have a couple guys. One of them, you just name dropped uh, Simeon Varlamov. I think he's 32 to one. The Islanders are 20 to one to win the Stanley cup. Yeah. There's a chance that maybe Matt Barzell or, you know, uh, you know, maybe, you know, Jordan Everly gets real hot. They're, the Islanders have some streaky scores who could steal a show, but if this is a team that is known for its defense and its goaltending, if they get through uh, and win a Stanley cup, uh, Simeon Varlamov, it would mean Simeon Varlamov would have to play at a very high level. So I think 32 to one he's at right now in DraftKings is, is a good price, uh, especially if, you like us, you're bullish on the Islanders. And this is going to maybe, maybe you know, drive you up a wall, but I think the same thing can be said about Connor Hellebuck. He's 45. So the Jets, you talk about a guy who's 100% certain to win the Conn Smythe if they win the yeah. Stanley Cup. Connor Hellebuck is the Winnipeg Jets. If the Winnipeg Jets make it to the Stanley cup and win the Stanley cup, it's because of Connor Hellebuck. He's at 45 to one. That's a little bit higher than, than their uh, actual Stanley cup price. And if, if I had to choose like someone who, who, who could win, um, kind of towards the top, just like uh, on, on quote unquote, like more elite real teams. I like Miko Rantanen on the Colorado avalanche Stanley cup favorite, but, uh, while Nathan McKinnon is the, uh, uh, the favorite, he's at the top of the list of the, for the Conn Smythe. Miko and ride shotgun with him. So if Conor, if Nathan McKinnon mm-hmm. is having a great Stanley Cup playoffs, that means Miko ranton is probably pouring in goals because he's his wingman. Uh, so I like I like him at twenty to one. You can even make a case for I think Kyle McCarr too. He's he's all the rage. Uh, I know people love it okay. at thirty to one. And I think that'll probably be it. One of those guys with Varlamov, Hellebuck, but I can also maybe see. And this is maybe a little bit of a hedge. Look, if the Pittsburgh Penguins make the Stanley Cup, like you got to remember who's voting for these awards—human beings. Sidney Crosby could could have one goal and six assists, and the Penguins win the Stanley Cup. And guess what? They're gonna want to—they're gonna want to vote for Sidney Crosby won the Con Smythe. He's twenty-five to one. Kind of interesting too.
3: Yeah. And then this whole concept might as well just be called the Sidney Crosby rule, right? Because a couple of years ago, he didn't have the best playoff, but they're like, it kind of isn't anybody else. Right. And again, if say Connor McDavid was on the San Jose Sharks that year, right, they probably would have just said, you know what, let's just give it to Connor McDavid. And I think you're right. Like I cannot like the Jets um, for the reasons that I mentioned, but I can still like that bet because I think you're right. Right. If the Jets win the Stanley Cup. Now, all of this stuff is under the sort of auspice of the team needs to win the Stanley cup. Right. So like it kind of doesn't matter if they don't with the exception of McDavid, but like, yeah, if they wake the Stanley, if they, make the Stanley cup. Yeah. He has a chance, but if they certainly win the Stanley cup, it's a hundred percent chance that he's going to win. So when we're looking at value, if it's better than his team's price to win the Stanley cup and considerably so in this case, like, yeah, I'm fine with that bet. And honestly, if you are looking to fade the Toronto Maple Leafs in a weird way, just throwing McDavid and Hellebuck in a con Smythe, portfolio where we're walking around with our satchel, like that's actually a pretty good move, right? Because you're going, okay, if I don't think that the Leafs are getting through to the semifinals, that means I'm definitely going to have either Hellebuck or McDavid into the semifinals, right? Like that's kind of a big deal. I'm going to throw out a couple more names here. One that I like sort of next best that has more of a likelihood, let's just say, of happening, right? We talked about the Carolina Hurricanes, talked about them before. Really short price for the Stanley Cup. Tons of different things going on with that team from a forward standpoint. They are loaded and they're going to have a bunch of different guys score, again, if they win the Stanley Cup. So I don't know that there's going to be a runaway like Sebastian Aho has 30 points. I don't think that's going to be the case. The other thing is, I think they like both of their goaltenders. I think we have a situation there where like, they split games. There's gonna be some back-to-backs in there, possibly, you know, possibly. I think they'll play some higher scoring games, especially as we get later on. And that leaves Dougie Hamilton as a guy that could take that next step right this is a guy who led defensemen in shots on goal this season 16 power play assists didn't have as many power play goals because he only converted 5.6 percent of his shots that leaves some room for him for a bit of a statistical regression here for him to score maybe a little bit more maybe a couple of those happening like overtime or something along those lines right so He's available at 25 to one. And so I think he's the best way to attack the Carolina Hurricanes this year instead of, you know, the six, seven to one to win the Stanley cup. Let's take a little bit of a flyer there because I think he becomes, I don't want to say the Victor Hedman necessarily of the team, but like kind of right. Like he's going to be the guy for them defensively that when you have multiple goaltenders, when you have a truckload of scorers that are going to spread it out a little bit, he's going to be the guy here. I think that's going to, produce offensively and going to be a problem for teams defensively as well. So I like that uh in attacking the Canes uh you mentioned mccarr I think he's good value from again this is a team that has a goaltender who could win it. They have forwards who could win it. They're kind of the purest example of the you know 22% de- defense chance, the 26% goaltending chance and the 55 like they're kind of perfect for that because like you would separate that. So Rantanen's good Um, Uh, 6.9, I think, on his uh, point share this season, actually higher than McKinnon, right? So again, a guy who is contributing, you know, in a sort of a weird way, a little bit more. I don't know if voters would necessarily recognize that. But again, instead of 8 to 1 on McKinnon, you're getting something closer to 30 to 1 with Rantan. Not bad there for, again, a team that I think can go a long way. And that might not be necessarily goaltender focused, of course, right? Um, You know, beyond that, Obviously some Boston Bruins here, Taylor Hall. I haven't seen a market DraftKings right now has almost everybody that you'd want. Haven't seen Taylor Hall's number there. That'll be interesting. A lot of their guys are 30 to one at this rate, right? Why would Taylor Hall 30 to one? If that ends up being the number, why wouldn't you take that? So there's plenty of different options. There's plenty of different ways to play a lot of these teams. And even if you don't have them advancing in the first round because of the number and the low investment that's needed, there's a bunch of different ways that you can play these guys.
4: Yeah. I think th- th- there's one other name real quick that you mentioned. That's not on the board yet. Charlie McAvoy on the Bruins too. It's like, he, he's in that same Dougie Hamilton, like all action, number one defenseman going to play 30 minutes a night. And there is nothing that uh, play-by-play commentators and color analysts in, uh, in the NHL like to talk about more than this guy played 28 minutes a night last night. you know, in th- in the series, he played 35 minutes last night. They love talking yeah. about that stuff and that will affect voting. But I mean, Look at That's a nice portfolio we got. It's very, very, uh, very beefy, a nice
3: beefy portfolio. That's right. And if Charlie or Dougie can win the Smythe, maybe they can take the ease off the end of their name and they can be adults and Douglas <laughs> and Charles, uh, can move on. All right. Uh, I think we've covered it, man. That'll do it for our Stanley cup playoffs, betting preview. Michael, tell the people to where they can get our stuff for the playoffs.
4: Yeah. I mean, you should be glued to the Action Network's NHL coverage. We'll have coverage for every game. Uh, Game previews. We'll have uh, more stuff on con Smythe future markets. And then uh, we have a, we have a really good, good crew who, people who think about the, the game a little differently from one another, but we all have a kind of a, a similar overlap. So it's a good synergy among the uh, the writers we have. And like I said, we'll have every game covered. So whether you're new to hockey or if you are, have been watching every every day and just want a, a different a kind of set of eyes and a different way to think about the game, we're here for you. We understand what this is all about. We understand the ups and downs of, and the swings and the hide behind your sofa kind of nature of hockey. So uh, we're we're along the ride with you because like the heart pounding action of the NHL playoffs is like nothing else, and frankly, you shouldn't be going through it alone.
3: Absolutely. He's at the big Leibovsky on Twitter, Lebov M on the Action Network app. As for me, I'm at M authentic on Twitter and the Action app. You can live and learn with all the hockey betting as well as NBA, PGA, NFL, and college hoops betting on my podcast, the window sports betting podcast available wherever you got this podcast. This was a blast for me, man. Thanks to Michael and to Renee and the band of renown behind the scenes at the Action Network. As a reminder, the Action Network's NBA team returns next week for a two part, our NBA playoffs betting preview podcast. Plus we'll have PGA coverage, maybe some French open stuff. So stay tuned. Also check out the favorites podcast with Chad Millman. That's on the volume podcast network, along with today's guest, Renee Paquette and her podcast oral sessions. Thanks to bet MGM, the official odds provider of the show. And thank you for listening. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. download and listen on Spotify. And until next time, we'll see you. On the Action
1: Network Podcast. There were skis
3: to the left of them Russians to the right. A check at the blue line looking for a fight. Take care of your teeth that might work for you. What's a Canadian farm boy to do? it some what else can a farm boy from Canada do? In somebody.